0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to com. When I was a senior in high school, I got a bad case of senioritis. You guys get that? Like second semester senior year, I just sort of tanked and uh, felt like test, test scores didn't matter, everything that the uh, colleges Wanted was done and in the books, and I just sort of started to slide. I had a, I was in a sociology class, and we had a, the major project of the semester was to write an eight-page paper on a different culture. And so I picked Germany because I thought it would be super easy. I'd, I'd taken four years of German. I was in a, um, a class that was doing, like, international diplomacy kind of stuff, and we had taken on Germany, and so we were learning about that community, and I thought, I can write eight pages of Germany in my sleep. And so that's what I sort of planned to do. I got to the night before the paper, and I wrote out everything I knew about Germany, and I had four pages. I was half there. And I was like, what What do I do? Because, like, this is before the Internet, and I couldn't, you know, just Google stuff and, like, copy it off of Wikipedia or whatever. So I got really creative. And I started copying and pasting sentences. Like, a paragraph was the same sentence four times. And I was like, that's long. That's added some length to me. Let's, let's do this more. And I would start to copy paragraphs and, like, paste them. And I had a whole page built out of paragraphs copied. Now, I had heard, I was doing this because I had heard that the teacher didn't even read the papers. She just looked to the page length, called it good, and, like, gave you an A. So I was like, I'm going to test this because my options are real limited at this point. I started making stuff up. Like, (laughs) German families love to polka. (laughs) It's tradition that they each have their own family rendition of the polka, and they can blow crowds away. I think I called it their own version of the magic twinklebug polka. And if you failed, if you just poorly represented, they would take you to the basement and hang you up by your toenails for a week. Just stuff like that. Rambling and going. And, I, and then at one point, I got really bold. You could fill in the word instead of bold, maybe. Okay? I got really bold, and I said, dear teacher, and I used her name, I, I've heard that you don't even read these papers that you just check to see if they're of length and then you hand out an A. If that's true, I would like to know. It would be very helpful to me and future generations of students if you actually read these papers. Thank you very much. And I turned that paper in. She read them. <laughs> and, it, and it cost me, right? You ever done something foolish? By the way, my dad was so proud he wanted to have the paper framed. That's kind of some of the messed up family I come from, okay? He was so proud that I could be that bold. I'd call it just foolish, right? I still have that paper. Uh, She actually turned it back, and she said, I count four pages of real stuff here. Take it back. It's Friday. Turn it in on Monday. I'm going to dock you 10 points. Turn in a real paper. And so I did. Um, And then I got... 140% 140% on the project because I did 50% of a bonus extra credit oral presentation in front of the class. Um, well, it worked out. But it spent it was the weekend then of having to work on it. You ever done something foolish? Yeah, have you ever looked at your life and be like, I, I don't feel like I'm just doing a foolish thing after another. I, f- I feel like my life is built on foolishness. Have you ever come to a point where like, you feel like that? We're in our second week of this parables series, the short stories, analogies that Jesus used to teach in an indirect way so as uh, to get to our hearts in ways that maybe direct teaching can't always do. And so he'd bring up and he says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. And he'd tell a story, a fictional story that helps us get as a real truth about who he is, about what his kingdom is like and about the kind of people that he calls us to be. In general, they're not allegories, meaning this is this, and this is this, and this is this, and this represents this, and every piece of the parable lines up with something in real life. They're not intended to be that unless Jesus says, like last week, here are the different pieces and here's what I mean by it. Generally, parables are one main point. Jesus is speaking. He said, I want you to hear one thing. I'm going to tell this Whole, I'm going to give you this whole word picture, a story, so that you can know one thing. This is story with one intent that I'm getting at. We're going to see that today. <clears throat> Jesus is going to tell the parable of the wise and foolish builders. And there's, all, there's been all kinds of good points made about it, and lots of true points, that may actually not be what Jesus is getting at just in this parable. Okay? So we're talking about the wise and foolish builders. A lot of times people have said, build your foundation on the life of Jesus, and you will be able to stand. And I think that's true. I'm not sure that's what Jesus is trying to get at with this parable. Like, he has a main point, and while that is not a false statement, he's he's getting at something a little bit different. So let's pray quick, and then we're going to dive in. This parable shows up in Matthew and Luke, and we're going to read both. God, we thank you for being a God who reveals yourself, who doesn't stay hidden, who gives us your word written down so that we could come back to it over and over and over again and have the words on the page come into our hearts and into our lives. I pray that we'd hear your voice today. As we read your word, as we talk about your word, would you give us wise, discerning, attentive hearts to what you want to be doing and what you are doing in our lives, and in our life as a church. Help us, as you point out, to live the kind of lives that you're leading us into. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> All right, so the parable of the wise and foolish builders shows up in Matthew 7, and it shows up in Luke 6. So let's, I'm going to, back to back, read both of them. They're a little bit different, but they have the same main point. So we're going we're gonna to read them back to back. Matthew 7 the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and the fall, and great was the fall of it. Great not as in like, hey, that was a great party. Great as in big, and tremendous, and completely devastating. Luke six, forty-seven 47-49 is the same parable. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Broke against it. Immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Jesus is talking about two different kinds of builders. He's saying, uh, I want you to picture a very real life scenario of people building houses. It would be foolish to not build your house on a foundation. Foolish builders might do that. Look at a plot of land and say, Oh, that looks good. I'm going to build there. That'd be perfect. And yet it's not on a foundation, it gets swept away. Wise builders build wisely wise builders find a foundation they put it on rock or they uh dig down deep and they put it on a foundation that is true that can stand and when floods come when storms come that house isn't washed away it doesn't fall it uh it isn't destroyed because they've been wise jesus is saying i want you to be wise i want you to be wise And he's got specific instructions for what that is. But before we go in there, I want to take a look back. Because the Bible is huge in the themes of wisdom and foolishness. Or the wise and the foolish people. It's all throughout the Bible. It's a huge theme. So Proverbs 1. Proverbs is a book about wisdom. Proverbs means like wise sayings, right? Generally, if you follow these, they're good rules for life. They're they're wise ways to live. And the book of Proverbs opens up this way. The Proverbs of Solomon, who was given one, God said, you can have one thing from me, what would you like? And he said, I'd like wisdom. right?" So it makes sense that the whole book of Proverbs comes out of God's saying, I love that request, and I will give it to you. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom, like that's the purpose of the book to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the, uh, to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance." To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and introduction. And you can see the dichotomy, right? There's a difference in living a wise life and a foolish life. And one of the things he says about wisdom are people who live wisely. They love instruction. They love to learn. They love to grow, to say, I'm not done yet. I don't know everything and they're going to keep growing. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 continues the theme. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. It's like everywhere you go, in all of your ways, in all of the paths that life takes you, Every road that you walk down, in all of those, acknowledge him. Doesn't mean like, hey, God, how you doing? I mean, I see you. I'm going to walk on by. Acknowledge means like to put him in the lead and follow. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Proverbs 14.1 in the NIV says, The wise woman builds her house. But with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. Like a strong and wise woman building her family, building her house, saying she can build it. In wisdom, she's going to build it. But a woman who's walking in foolishness with those same hands, she's going to tear down what she's trying to build. Proverbs fifteen twelve. mockers resent correction, so they avoid the wise. You ever felt like that? I don't want to hear truth. I don't want to hear what I know they're going to tell me, so I'm not even going to ask, right? Even though I know what they're going to say is right. Proverbs 19, 20, Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. It's a future trajectory to say, I need to keep growing in my wisdom. And Proverbs goes on and on the theme of wisdom and foolishness. The fool hates correction. The wise seek it out. The fool hates discipline. The wise love it because they know it's channeling them. It's pushing them in the right direction. The fool speaks his mind. The wise hold their tongues. The fool trusts in their own mind. The wise are going to seek counsel in others. Fools make uh, company with other fools. The wise walk in the company of the wise. The fool repeats his folly like a dog returned to his vomit. That's a picture, right? The fool is proud. Wise are humble. Okay, so quick show of hands today. Who among you, who among us, want to be wise? Would rather be in the category that the Bible is speaking about and saying, I'd rather live a wise life than a foolish life. Count me among the wise, please. I want to be there. For those wanting to be wise, the Bible is very clear. It directs us to God. It says, if you want to be wise, live according to him. Put, him. put him at the center of your life. Lean on God. And just in case you think it seems more fun to live in foolishness, the Bible's very clear that foolishness leads to ruin. I've experienced that in my own life. A lot of you have experienced that in your life. Foolishness leads to tragedy. It leads to ruin. And now Jesus enters the picture. And Jesus speaks with authority in a way that um, people, even the teachers, have not seen somebody teach before. And he offers these two pictures. Now, Jesus, note, Jesus is both a rabbi, right? He's He's a teacher of the scriptures. And what was his occupation? He's a builder. So this is awesome. This is like those two worlds colliding. I'm gonna teach you about building. Everybody knows about building, right? You look at the guy down the road and you see him building his house. You expect that their building is wisdom. There's not a whole lot of depth there. I'm gonna tell you about all the measurements and all that. All that is true. People would say, yep, to build wise, you need a foundation. It's foolishness to do otherwise. There's a wise way to build and a foolish way to build. So, how did people build in Jesus' day? They built on rock. That was their foundation. So the area was a real arid place. Uh, I was studying this week, and I actually said uh, that area gets as much rain as London in a year, except London gets it over 300 days of rain, and this area gets it in maybe 30. So what happens is most of the year, super arid, super dry, and then it just comes, and then it just rushes, right? And so dry riverbeds would form. In the 30 days of rush or however, when, that, when the water came, those would be wild, raging rivers, and the rest of the year they would dry out. You get to a point actually right before the rainy season, and it would look like a nice, smooth, level place. Jesus said, it'd be foolish to build there, right? Because everybody who lives here knows the rain's going to come. You're just going to get washed away. Different parts, they would dig down, uh, Luke talks about it, digging down to a rock foundation. Maybe just a different location than the dry riverbeds. Now, I tried to go out and get a picture. Leslie said, these are parables, these are word pictures. It might be helpful to do like visual stuff. If you can get a video clip or if you can get a picture of what this was like, so I did my best searching. This is the best I came up with of what it looked like. Okay? Build wisely, your house stands. Build foolishly, things fall apart. So here's what Jesus is doing. The parable comes at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. This is, this is the concluding remarks to a huge collection of teachings from Jesus. He's talking about what the kingdom is like. He's talking about what a life following him looks like. The Beatitudes start out the, or the Sermon on the Mount like, blessed and flourishing are people who walk in this way. And then he wraps it up with this parable. The Old Testament said, if you want to be wise, lean on God. Jesus says, if you want to be wise, lean on me. And you can imagine why people were shocked. Because he's not just saying, listen to the word of God. He's saying, listen to me. Jesus, when he says, whoever listens to these words of mine and does what it says, that's like wise building. Wisdom and foolishness, lean on God. He's saying, lean on me. And he is at that moment saying, I have the very authority of the Old Testament in me. That's audacity. That's authority. And they stand back and like, oh, we haven't seen this before. Yeah, because Jesus is the living word. Jesus is the word of God. That's how John opens the gospel. In the beginning was the word of God. All of the wisdom of God. The word, that's a Greek word. Word in John is logos, which means wisdom. All of the wisdom of God is seen in Jesus. He says, If you want to build your life wisely, listen to me and do what I say. Listen to me and do what I say. And he goes on and he says, If you listen and don't do what I say, you're a fool. That's audacious, that's authority. That's speaking from a different place of authority. Because I'll stand up here and I'll say, Listen to me, Shannon, and do what I say. That might be good for you. I would not say, If you listen to me and don't do what I say, you're just a fool. I would say, If you listen to Jesus and don't do what he says, Jesus says you're a fool, Jesus says you're foolish. If you want to be wise, go directly to Jesus. Listen to him and do what he says. The central point of this parable is to hear the word of Jesus and put them into practice. Hear from Jesus and respond. Don't let hearing be enough. To hear To truly hear is to live it out. Those are inseparable. It's not just enough to know the words of Jesus or even agree with the words and teaching of Jesus or even teach what Jesus taught. It's not a mental exercise of intention. The question is, will you live them? Will you walk as Jesus walked? Will you follow him and submit to him? And you don't have to do it out of your own strength. He said, I I came so that I can put me in you. I could empower you to walk in this way. But if you think that you can pray a prayer and then disregard him, that's foolishness. That's just foolishness. And judgment is coming. Now, judgment is a hard word. We're not in a culture that likes judgment. Uh, We we speak very candidly about not having the right to judge anybody. And uh, to some degree, I'm okay with that. I don't have the authority to judge. I'm not judged. Jesus has that authority. And Jesus says, You build wisely when the final judgment comes, you're gonna stand. You build foolishly when the final judgment comes your teacher just read that paper. Not good. You're going to fall. And he's doing it. Like John three seventeen says, Jesus came not to condemn, but to save, right? He's not speaking words of condemnation here. He's speaking words of warning. He's speaking to, uh, to say, you will all stand face to face. And like Beth read this morning, we have an invitation to, bo- to stand boldly at the judgment as ones who have heard Jesus and lived it out, as ones who have heard Jesus said, yes, I receive that, and all my days I want to follow Jesus. Now, I'm not going to do it perfectly, and it's not like I'm going to get to the judgment. As God's like, oh, you tried real hard, sorry. But people who listen to Jesus and do what he says are people who want to hear from him. Are people who are not burdened by living a life with Jesus or listening to his commands. The commands become our delight because we know that they lead to life, right? We know that they lead to life. And not just in heaven, but in the here and now. If Jesus says, do something, I want to do it. Because I've met the one who sees me. I met the one who loves me. I met the one who made me. I met the one who knows what it looks like for me to really live. And he says, I want you to live this way. Man, I want to be all over that. If I hear Jesus and I'm like, I don't know. Something's not quite right in our relationship, right? And he's good with that in a sense of like, I want to keep working with you. I want to keep transforming you. I want to keep growing in you. And we say, I want to continually be submitting to you. I want to continually, continually be looking at the places of foolishness in my life. And I say, take it all. Take it all. Take it all. You already paid for it. Take it. Let me live according to how you say Where are you today? Are you a hearer and a doer? It sounds a lot like James teaches, right? James says, don't merely be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. Somebody who hears the word of God, hears the word of Jesus, and then doesn't do it, is like a guy who looks in the mirror and then forgets what he looks like. It's like you don't even have a connection to who you really are. Are you a hearer and a doer? Do you want to hear the voice of Jesus in your life? And when you hear it, do you want to say, yes, yes, yes. Why would I not do that? Even if it's hard, even if it's a stretch, even if it's a risk, I want to hear from Jesus and I want to obey him. Are you holding back? Are you actually uninterested in what Jesus has to say to your life? You have a hard time obeying him. That's, that's a gift if you recognize that. If you recognize that you have a hard time obeying Jesus, that is a gift because he's showing you ways that you're holding back. That's a gift in that you can say, Open up. I want to give it all. I want to give it all. I don't want to just do better, I want to listen. I want to respond. I want to see Jesus and devote myself to him. Now, I want to read uh, Titus 3, verses 3 through 8. Because this there's so much like Jesus is actually saying, if you if you listen to me and you don't do what I say, you're a fool. He's really saying that. And he's saying there is a judgment coming. There is a final judgment coming. But I don't think he's saying this is a do good mentality, build yourself up, just do all the right things and God will be pleased. That's not consistent with the New Testament, with the Bible. So how do we reconcile that? I think Titus 3 does a, just a beautiful job tying these two together in that, yes, I receive Jesus, and yet I continually submit myself to him. Yes, I, I hear and I know that I'm loved, and yet obedience is a real deal. I've got to obey. I've got to follow. Titus 3, verses 3 through 8 says, "'For we ourselves were once foolish.'" He's speaking to people in Jesus, right? He's speaking to the church who know Jesus. "'We ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another.'" Raise your hands if that's the life you want. No, right? He's saying, if you're in Jesus, we came from a life like that. We don't have to live that anymore. That's what was, and it's gone. Verse 4, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not, not because of the works done by us in righteousness, These things are excellent and profitable for people. Can you see the collision? Is righteousness ultimately up to us? No. It's a gift from Jesus himself. He builds our identity, like Beth was saying this morning. He gives us an identity in righteousness, and we can approach the throne boldly because we have an identity as co-heirs, as sons and daughters. We know who we are. In Christ and we devote ourselves and we continually submit ourselves we want to do good as we follow Jesus and it wells up in us and it overflows we want to be hearers and doers are we foolish on our own yes is God good yes Does he love? Yes. Does he save us from our foolishness? Yes. Does mercy triumph over judgment? Yes. Does the Holy Spirit make us new? Yes. Are we saved by grace? Yes. Do we devote ourselves to doing what Jesus commanded? Yes. I want you to see his great love. I want you to see his sacrifice on your behalf. And his ability to breathe life into you. So that the life you live right now is really life right now. And so that in the final judgment, you realize that fear has no place, that it's just gone. You don't have to look at the final judgment with any kind of fear. Follow Jesus. He says, it is the wise, the wisest thing you can do with your one and only life. My high school paper had all kinds of foolishness wrapped up in it, and it cost me. How much more the state of our hearts and our lives. May we be people who listen to Jesus and do what he says because it's coming out of a heart bent toward wanting to listen. So here's a final, a final point of application. As we go through the parables this summer, I want you to take time to read them for yourself. Like go home today and this week and open up to the parables of the wise and foolish builders and read those and sort of like sit in them. And say, Jesus, what are you saying to me? What are you working in me? What are you you cultivating and transforming in me? What What do I need to hear from you? How do I need to respond to that? As we go through these, make it a part of your daily and weekly rhythm to just linger personally in the parables. Let's commit ourselves to listening to Jesus and then making that the way we live let's pray Jesus none of us want to be foolish all of us want to be counted wise all of us want to to live wisely none of us want ruin all of us want to thrive may we take you seriously when you say a wise life listens to you and obeys. Right now, if there are people in this room who have, who recognize that they have not built their life on you, that they have not listened to you, have even desired your voice in their life, or have been going through the motions of just saying, ah, I'll I'll do just enough. Would you stir in them right now a desire? Would you show them your heart for them? Would you show them that what you have for them is good? And would you stir up in them an overflow that says, I want to hear and do. I want to listen to you and respond to what you say. Would you do that right now, Jesus? Would you help all of us in the day-to-day as sons and daughters of yours continually listen to our Father's instruction? We pray in Jesus' name, amen.